So um, maybe we should move on then to why this piece is important, why it's such a landmark and brilliant piece. Uh, and I've drawn out a couple of these and guys come in um, as I go through them. So the first one is that this anticipates both the Keynesian period after the Second World War, as well as its end uh, and the, the neoliberal counter-revolution that came in to put an end to a situation in which uh, workers had too much power, um, had kind of excess demands um, and undertook the kind of neoliberal reforms to to weaken workers' power. Um, and part of that, uh, as I already said, was increasing unemployment, which weakened uh, labor's bargaining power. So I think that's very clear. I don't think we, we've already commented on how prescient it was. Uh, the second point, which is one which I drew attention to earlier, and I think it's maybe the most important one in the whole lot of it, is that... Uh, it raises, it puts the question of political authority central rather than income and wealth. And not just that, but it says that political authority is kind of what matters more to capitalists than just questions of income and wealth. And and in doing so, it introduces a political dimension into economy and, and makes it central to the functioning of the economy rather than seeing them as two distinct arena in which you have a, a kind of autonomous self-functioning economy and then you have political matters which intrude upon the economy sometimes. No, those political questions are central to the function of the economy itself. It's political economy, if you if you will. Yeah, I mean that's 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 important. I, I guess I've I probably wasn't as as blown away by this as as I think you guys might have been. I hadn't hadn't read it previously, exposing my my ignorance once again. Um, but it did seem to me like the the, the central point here or the central kind of thing to take away from it is is a is a fairly you know fairly basic point about the relationship that capital and, and labor stand in that they're antagonistic um and that there is a um there is a a, a kind of a, an effect that unemployment has in terms of disciplining labor in terms of reducing labor's organizing power um and that this is you know this is hardly in some ways a new insight we've known for a long time that there is one capital many labors and labor has to organize and has to has to kind of overcome all of the individualizing um processes that that are put on individual labor laborers like unemployment for example so it's been i guess known for a long time and maybe i'm missing something and being shallow in my reading but the 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 central idea that there's a there's kind of a there's a, a political question at the the, the center of the economy and that one of the aspects of that is is the level of employment or unemployment that's you know everybody except neoliberal economists who talk about the quote-unquote natural rate of unemployment um know about this right i think there are two things which make it such a significant piece um and if it was just saying capital and labor are antagonists i mean obviously that would be make it you know uh, worthless effectively and certainly not original um I think it's most important, um, it's trying to extrapolate from the circumstances of um, full employment um, in the wartime economies of the Western states past the, past the end of the war. And bearing in mind, it's published in 1943. So it's, you know, it's um, a year, the year before Hayek publishes Road to Serfdom, when he's eyeing what the post-war world will look like, um, and two years away from the end of the war. So, you know, I mean, it's uh, looking you know, looking uh, in the middle of the Second World War, it's looking ahead quite far. Um, 
And it's not just the introduction of the intangible question of the political authority of one class over another, but also the fact that he, um, it's, you know, it's not that he's predicting Keynesianism because he said, you know, or full employment, he said, because it's locked in. What's striking is the prediction that it won't be viable um, because it won't be acceptable to maintaining capitalist class rule. And he keeps on returning to this question. The costs of maintaining full employment will be unacceptable to um, to capitalists. And it's a remarkable, you know, it's a, it's a prediction that's remarkably vindicated many years later, you know, 25, 30 years after the end of the war. Um, but that's that's not an original prediction. I mean, that's that's all all there in in Marx, isn't it? That the no, because Marx isn't, isn't talking it? in an era of full employment. He's talking yeah, in the circumstances it's, it's with a, which there is no fine. governmental, um, there is no mass effort, and there is no capacity on the part of the state to mount um, full initiatives at full employment, let alone um, a global war on the scale of the first and second world wars. The other element, which is um, and which is important, and I think he's maybe the first, is to understand um, a political boom and bust cycle. Um, and this is explained in um, uh, some of the notes that come with the with the essay, at least in uh, one of the versions that I came across. Uh, so it's not just the um, it's not just a business cycle, but that the state effort to manage um, uh, economic resources at the level of the, the nation state itself will introduce uh, political you know political calculations into the boom and into the regular rhythm of boom and bust. Um, and this gets, you know, I mean, this gets taken up later and uh, kind of boulderized somewhat into the idea of um, electoral kind of cycles of boom and bust, linking it narrowly to uh, political, you know, political calculations of advantage around election time, when I think Kaletsky means something a bit grander than that in terms of the political effects of um, attempts to manage the economy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that is um, that is that is important. Um one of the things that struck me um, is the arbitrariness by which uh, of the rule of capital, and uh, I say that in reference to his highlighting of business confidence as a major factor. Effectively, it's a it's what you have is a tyranny of capital, where um, a small class of people gets to decide on the. Um, consequences and, and destiny of of everyone else's lives by their investment decisions um, based on nothing else than whim or you know what is otherwise known as business confidence um, and I think that's quite uh, that's quite striking um, that is a level of uh, a level of uh, control which is often not discussed not discussed enough, not realized enough in, in terms of thinking of capitalism maybe as a system of production or in applying certain unequal distribution of goods and income and so on. Um, but really just the degree of of control that, you know, the capitalist class has, I think is something maybe that is, especially today, not often discussed um, in these discussions about inequality. Um, and mm. I think, and, and one thing which is, which I think was brought home to me in reading this was remembering these, you know, these kind of stupid discussions that I'm sure everyone's had between, you know, pro-capitalism or pro-socialism, you know, and you say, well, the benefits of socialism would be, oh, yeah, but capitalism, blah, 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 blah. In those discussions, always the, the capitalist side goes, even if they're kind of convinced by some of the good sides of socialism, they go, yeah, but, you know, why would anyone do under, uh, why would anyone do any work under socialism? You know, that if that's, if you just have everything that you want, why would you even go to work? Um, which shows you really what the primary concern with capitalism is. It's not that uh, 
you know, capitalism is good because it's the most efficient system um, of production or that it guarantees individual freedom. But fundamentally, uh, it's a means of discipline. It's a means of uh, control. It's a means of domination. Um, it's a way to get people to go to go to work to get to, to go, go to work. To the that's what it's fundamentally it about. Was. Yeah, no, but that's that's it. And I think what what uh, Kaletsky portrays in it portrays this sort of in miniature in this debate over full employment, which again is not a debate between capitalism and socialism, but about certain contradictions within capitalism under a certain type of capitalism under you know what ca- came to be called you know kind of Keynesian or for the Fordist Keynesian system or whatever, um, where. The, the power of labor um, with under, you know, under a condition of full employment uh, means that capitalists lose their powers of, of compulsion, which they previously had a, in a more laissez-faire system where you have a reserve army of labor, which acts as a sort of a threat to those people, to those people who are in work um, because you're, you're scared of losing your job that someone else is going to take it. Uh, and I think, anyway, I guess just to summarize, uh, I think that's something that this brings home, maybe not so, uh, it's not a, maybe a direct point that Kaletsky tries to make, but it comes across very clearly, again, um, that capitalism is not just a system um, which is about economic production, but is about uh, political authority.